Good morning. How's everybody today? Sort of? Good to see you. Welcome to North Star. Look at all the orange around. We're glad that you're here, and even though you've already been welcomed to church, I just want to welcome you again. We're so glad that you are here with us, and we just pray that today God would just do some incredible things in our service. We've been in a series called Four, and today we're going to be wrapping up that series. Before we get into it, I want to say a couple of things. First, I want to say that North Star Church, that's with attitude. North, North Star Church, no attitude, is a place where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. And say it with the church, anything is possible. And if you believe that, just practice for the rest of the service by saying amen. Amen. It is our vision at North Star to glorify God <clears throat> by making disciples of all nations, this nation, that nation, all nations. And so we exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. And drawing near to him, it's more than just a phrase, drawing near to him, meeting him and growing in him. Making disciples, that's what we're supposed to do, is make disciples. Uh, I, I'll just say yesterday's serve day was incredible. Uh, I'm thankful for all of the volunteers that went out and, and ministered yesterday. We do this every first Saturday of the month. So um, just be listening for details on the other ones that are coming up. We're glad to have those that are joining us online today, and uh, it's awesome that you you tune in, and, and uh, for some, when they're sick, they keep up with the services, and others that are traveling, uh, I hear every week someone talking about how they watched online this week because they were uh, on the beach, and I get really upset about that, but that's okay. Uh, it's all right. I'm just glad that you're watching. I'm just not glad that I'm not on the beach with you. Can I get an amen? It, it, however... I would not miss this Sunday for nothing in the world. This is Orange Sunday. Welcome to Orange Sunday, church. <clears throat> of course, we welcome people at both of our campuses, both at Saltillo and, and Tupelo campus. We're glad that you're tuning in wherever you are to this service. Before we get started, I want to just say a quick word about Orange, all right? A quick word about Orange. Orange is about how we do church. It's about learning a sustainable rhythm in doing church and ministering and making disciples. Orange is about every age group. There's going to be uh, a significant emphasis today on one other than the others, but it's really, we're about people. I spoke last week that, that we're for you. We're for you, our people. We're for the body of Christ. Every member in the body of Christ is important. And I use the famous quote that I don't know if anybody's ever seen this series or not, except from me and my, I started to say twisted, but that would offend some, me and my family. And that is Jack Shepard on, on the series Lost. He said, we must live together or, or die 
alone. Live together or, or die alone. I want to say a quick word about something that we're introducing as a part of Orange, and this is for married folks. There's stuff for single folks. Uh, there's stuff for seniors. There's stuff from birth through high school. But I want to say a word about married, marriage uh, people, married people, all right? Married people. I, I really don't want you to zoom in on this. I just want to use this as a tool and show you how easy it is to go to marriedpeople.org. And this is part of Orange. This is a free resource for couples of any age, young, newly married or been married for a long time. That's me. And some of you have been married longer than me. I've been married for um, 36 years this coming July. That's like a silver platter or something, right? And my wife and I are using this. And if you will go to marriedpeople.org, you'll see this funny-looking picture. But if you'll go to the little drop-down menu that says, Get Started, and when you do that, uh, there, there's like, here are the resources, like, My Marriage is Awesome, that's me, I go there. My Marriage Needs Some Help, that's you, you go there. Because it'll ha it has blogs, it has e-books that are free, it has just great resources. There's a, a closed group on Facebook nationwide uh, you, you don't get too explicit on that, right? But it, it's just, it, th there'll be quotes and things that will help you. And then, uh, my marriage needs help, so we can't communicate. We want better sex. Click on that. Uh, anyway, um, we need some financial help. Our marriage disease community, and we're all about community. And so, that's just some examples and that you can... Uh, Utilize from marriedpeople.org. And I'll be in the, uh, the atrium, the foyer at the end of the service. If somebody wants to just, just to look at it a little bit closer, then you're actually getting to look at it at this very moment. All right, marriedpeople.org. That's just one facets of Orange. Are you glad you came today on Orange Sunday? Me too. Me too. There's a passage of Scripture. This is not actually our text, but there's a passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 that I want to just kind of open up with today. And it's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Listen as I read. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses, your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the king of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. Now, let me just preface this by saying that Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's telling them, look, uh, this is who you were before Christ. And so many that are listening today are already in Christ, but you, if you're not in Christ, this is who you are right now. And if you are in Christ, this is who you were. All of us lived among them at one time, glorifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, hello, but <clears throat> because of his, his great love for us, God, 
who is rich in mercy, made us, this is victory talking right here, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, somebody say grace, (laughs) it is by grace that you have been saved. This is a picture of, of, it says dead, but it's like a corpse floating in the the, de- the, the out, way out in the sea. We can't help ourselves. We're dead. We're a corpse. We're floating. That's the word picture that Paul is painting. And he says, when you come to Christ, when you come to Christ, you are new. It is by the grace. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself. <coughs> if you need Christ today, there's nothing you can do. So, well, I, I'm going to try church for a while. I'm going to try going to church and I'm going to try singing occasionally. And I'm going to try giving when they take up the offering. And I'm going to try being more religious. There's no no money that you possess or could possess. There's no way that you would ever be good enough. Religion will not take you there. It is only by the grace of God. And so what Orange teaches is that it's only by the grace of God that we exist, that we have life and have life abundant. I feel like preaching today. You ready? Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. I want you to know this. I want you to know that we are for you I want you to know that, that we're for every generation, and the passage today is going to talk about how God is a generational God, all right? That means he works from generation to generation. You may be thinking, well, I'm not married, I don't have kids, or I'm married, we don't have kids. I'm telling you that God is the generational God. You've got a niece, haven't you? Uh, you've got a nephew, you've got a friend that's got a child, but so you... I don't care what stage of life you are in, what generation that you're in, God is, this is not about you, God is a generational God and he works from generation to generation. So he wants to work through you. Now we're for every generation, but let me give you just, a, just one example, all right? One example would be those that are born between the year... 1980 and the year 2000. Those that are born somewhere between the year 1980 and 2000, those are called the millennials, right? You've heard that term. Uh, you've heard it in negative light. You've heard it in positive light. I'm, I'm giving it to you in a, in a very positive light today because millennials, they like to invest in, if you're a millennial, you can confirm this, I'm not a millennial. <laughs> you know what I am? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a baby boomer. Boomer. But that was a very, I felt that. Man, that was like, that was pitiful. Um, I'm on the tail end of baby boomers, but then there's another couple of generations in there. But the millennials are the largest generation to ever live on planet Earth. They are 78 million strong 
today, millennials. They believe in investing in things that last. Now, whether they're believers or not, this is like a character. It's a good characteristic, but it's a, it's a characteristic. And even unbelievers, they, they want to invest in things that make a difference. They see their money not as just possessions, but they see their money as something that can change things. Hello, we should learn from the, from the millennials. And so the millennials have, can teach us that, that there's a, a lot that we, of all generations, should be and can be investing, uh, investing our lives in. And so when, when the, Paul writes in Ephesians, we were dead and only the grip of Christ can pull us out of the death grip of lostness and pull us back into the boat. Now, the passage that we're going to look at in Psalm 78 just simply says, all right, do these things. Be generational. And what God, I have learned, and the Bible teaches this, and the passage that we're about to read, the, the, Bible, wants, the Bible teaches us that God believes that we can reach people through the family. I believe that being the family family, but I also believe the family of God. And so how you, maybe you're like me, your children are gone, but you and I can still impact the next generation by the way that we invest in the lives of our family. I believe that God moves from generation to generation, but he does it through the church, and he does it through the family. So the passage that we're about to read, he says, do this. This is what I want you to do. Follow along as I read. I'm going to pray, then I'm going to say some things, and then we'll be, we'll be done. Psalm 78, verse 1. Psalm 78, verse 1. The Bible says, and, and by the way, this was written by Asile. He was a worship leader. And however, this is not as much of a, a praise song or a worship song as it is a psalm of wisdom and a psalm of teaching. And what he does, I'm just setting this up, what he does is he, he takes, it's written to the, the Israelites, it's written to the Jewish people and, uh, and about them. And what it does, he says, I, I want you to learn from the past, whether, whether it's good or whether it's bad, I want you to learn from the past and take it to the future. He says, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from uh, things from old, of old, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in, in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So, the next generation would know them. 
Did you hear that? These are the things that we are to teach our children and in the, the, the family of the church and teach them so that the next generation would know them. Even the children, listen to this, yet to be born. Even the children, yet to be adopted. Even the children that will be in foster care. He says, all of these, so that they will turn and will tell their children. You see, this is not an option that we are to consider. This is a command that we are to follow. We are to teach it, so they'll teach it, so they'll teach it, so they'll teach it. Then, hmm, this is it right here. Then, they would put their trust in God. It's one thing for you to be saved, but we want them to be saved. Can I get an amen? It's great that you're going to heaven, but we want them to go to heaven. And so that they would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors. Does this sound like any of your ancestors? A stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts, in all seriousness, were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that today you will just bless the reading of the Word. And God, just speak to our hearts, illumine our minds, and enlighten us to the important truths of this Orange Sunday, of how we are for our family and our families. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. What the psalmist was saying, just to summarize it, he said that there is a battle that is going on, and the battle is in our families. The battle is in our families, and what are we going to do in this battle? It was George Barna, the great preacher, researcher. Barna said, if you want to win a war, you have to control the battlefront. I've read of the, the, the studies of military strategists, and they said if you want to win the, the war, you've got to win the battle. So when Barna said that, where is the battlefront? Where is the battlefront? Is it in the issues of the day? Is the battle trying to get adults to come to church every week for a couple of hours? Is it about trying to get people in small groups? Where's the battle? Is it, a, is it in the issues that we face and the challenges that we have? Where is the battle? Barna went on to say, where's the battlefront? The battle is found in the minds and souls of our children. The battle is found in the minds, the hearts, and the souls of our children. So what, what, what do we do about it? I believe in being passionate about taking the gospel to the next generation. I believe in the importance of doing what the, what the Bible says. I, I believe in the, the importance of reaching people. They tell us, statistics tell us that as low as 65% and as high as 88% 
Hang, hang those thought in your thoughts. As low as, these are proven studies, these are statistics, as low as 65% and as high as 88% of children raised in any environment, Christian or non-Christian, but, but raised in a Christian environment would be specifically what this study was about. As low as 65, as high as 88%, when they reach the age of 18, graduate from high school, walk out your door, that it's possible that 88% of them, 65 to 88% of them, will walk away from their faith. I don't know about you, that that's very startling. To think that, just take the low number, that 65% of the kids that are represented in our worship experiences today when they graduate from high school, that they're going to walk away from the faith. What if I told you that next Sunday, you ready for this? What if I told you next Sunday we have a group that's going to be here that are considering the gospel? We have a group of people that are going to be at our campuses, church-wide, that are considering come to, coming to Christ. And if, if we will show up next week, we, we're going to have a high possibility of us sharing the gospel with them. Man, if I found that out today, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be pumping you today. I'd be saying, hey, look, we've got extra three circles training, gospel presentation training this afternoon. We're going to do it Wednesday. We're going to do it Friday. Man, we're not going to miss this opportunity, right? You would, so many of you would go home and you'd brush up on the three circles presentation, you'd brush up on a gospel presentation, you would brush up on some scriptures, you, you, you haven't used them a lot, I haven't used them a lot lately, but for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, but God committed, Romans 5, God committed his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We would brush up and we would be ready next week. How awesome would it be to, to share the gospel with 150 people that are that are considering a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guess what? Next Sunday, church-wide, we will have 150 minimum children in our children's ministry. We are considering Jesus. Because that happens every single week. This is what I know. The greatest mission field is in the entire world. It's, it's not over there, but the greatest mission field in the world is right down the hallway. People on campus, the greatest mission field in the world is at the back of the auditorium, you go up that ramp and on the other side of those walls. Church, the greatest mission field in the world is right next door in 
the lives of our children. That 150 does not even count junior high and senior high. So we have a, we have a big job to do, don't we? We have an incredible opportunity, don't we? It's to invest in the lives of those just across the way. Now, this psalmist, he tells the story of what he does in this psalm. He said, there was a generation that experienced God. I mean, they really experienced God. How God delivered them from Egyptian bondage and took them across the Red Sea and provided for them while they were wandering for 40 years. It gave them the, the nourishment that they needed. They had such an incredible testimony because they experienced it. But what happened is they started to forget. And so the psalmist says, number one, that there, there was a, a failure to explain. So here am I, one of those Israelites that had experienced the power and the, the miracles of God, and I got used to it. I got comfortable with it. You know what I'm saying? And, and so as I started teaching my children, it was kind of a faint memory. Yeah, it happened, but uh, I stop. I slow up teaching it to my kids, explaining it to my kids. He says in verse 5, He declared the statutes for David, and he had established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. They experienced it. Now they're supposed to explain it. Okay, so you weren't there. You weren't there, honey. But this is what happened. God really came through for us. And, and so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, they in turn would tell their children. Now, where this actually comes from, if your Bible is still open, it's in Deuteronomy is what he's referring to, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. He says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your mind. That's really a good verse. Can I get an amen? But that's not the one that I meant to read. Now, some preachers, if you're new to North Star, you've heard preachers, other people have heard preachers that would just like spiritualize that and kind of work that into the message. And I could, couldn't I? Because that's really a good verse, but that's not the one. Only be careful and watch, this is the one, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you should live. Now, just after the Ten Commandments were given, he, uh, he says, teach these to your children and to their children and the ones after them. But then just after the Ten Commandments were given in, in chapter 6, verse 4, 
In chapter 6, verse 4, he says this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Don't you love that? These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them. This is the key here. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. They, they would have a, a little leather pouch or box with Scripture that they would put on their forehead. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so when the psalmist is writing, he, he goes on and he says in verse 11, this is what's happened. All of this is true. It's based off of Deuteronomy. But this is what's happened. There was a failure to explain. He says they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors. In the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan, he divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of Rocky Craig and made water flow down like rivers, but they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. Church, this is what we are charged to do as a church. Yes, we are concerned about every generation, whether you're the millennials or the senior adults in the house. Or, But let, let me illustrate this with this jar of marbles. When a child is born, you have, and let me preface this by saying, anybody's child is born, we as a church have the same amount of time. The reality is the church has a possibility of 52 hours a year with children. Taking into consideration sickness and vacation and other things, we probably a more realistic number as a church, North Star, we have about 40 hours a year with our children and students. From the time a child is born till the time that they graduate from high school, there are 936 weeks. From the time they're born to the time that they graduate. At the age of nine, this jar is cut in half. You're starting to lose your marbles. If it's any consolation to you, I've already lost my marbles. By the time they're nine years old, till the time that they graduate, you have 468 weeks left. 312 weeks later, they will be getting their driver's license. You have less than 200 weeks. You have three more summer vacations. 
I hope that puts it in some perspective for you because our time is limited. I'm just going to say a, a quick and a brief word about something that Orange provides. It provides much more than I'm going to talk about, but there's an app that is called Parent Q. You can find out about this at the uh, kiosk in the foyer and learn more about it. But I just want to, I just want I, my kids are gone, so I had to really finagle this thing to, to, to get it to work for me. But uh, this is one of my kids um, that I put into the parent queue. This is a phone app or iPad app. You ready? You can't see this, and that's okay. I'm the one that needs to see it. It tells me that uh, T. Bocephus was born yesterday. I didn't know what to call him. I've got 936 weeks left before T, little T, uh, graduates from high school. And what the Parent Q app does, it, uh, there are, are so many resources. Uh, there are podcasts, but if, uh, it, if, if you'll scroll down uh, on, on Bocephus, it says that it's just, it's just a phase. I've got 936 weeks left. Next week it'll say 935 weeks left. When, when Bocephus is, was, when he's nine years old, I'll have 468 weeks left. I've got another kid. <laughs> we got creative in naming him. We named him T. Josephus. He's younger. I've got, with him, I've got 438 weeks left. He's older, excuse me. 438 weeks left. He's about nine right now. And so, this app, parents, is valuable. Each day it gives you scripture. Each day it gives you a question to ask your child and to, and to have communication and community with your child. So we hope, parents, that you'll check that out and, and that you'll, you'll download that and, and uh, make use of those good resources. This is what I know is that we have been given the task to pass the gospel from one generation to the next. Parents, we've got your kids for 40 weeks. Don't think that we're going to be doing all the discipleship. By the way, somebody's going to disciple your kid. You need to make sure that it's you discipling them. We've only got 40 hours with your kid, and they're glorious 40 hours, trust me. But you have got to teach it from one generation to the next. Notice this. <clears throat> there was not only a failure to explain, they stopped telling it. They forgot it. There was a failure now to experience it. There was a failure for the next generation to experience it. They, just, they, had, they were not even hearing about God anymore. There was one generation that experienced it, and then they started explaining it, and then they, it grew cold and they forgot. And now the next generation and the next generation and the next generation failed to experience it. You know, when we talk about God and when we talk about church and we talk about doctrine, Many people talk about God as a doctrine, 
to understand rather than a person that we experience. What do you guys believe at North Star? I'm new. I'd like to know. You can go to our website, and it gives you our basic beliefs and our core values. But what, what I have is it's not, a, it's not a doctrine to understand. What I have is a relationship, a person that I experience. You say, Pastor T, okay, so I, give me something practical. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. Uh, give me something I can put my, my hands on, that I can sink my teeth in, that I can understand. Parents, invite them into the process of God moving in your life. Uh, okay? All right? What, what do you mean? Let me give you an example. So when you're praying with your, your son or with your grandchild, pray, invite them into the process of God moving in your life. Now, parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, work, NS kids, workers, if God's not moving in your life, that's going to be hard to do. So let God move in your life first, but invite them them into that process. Let me give you an example. Uh, little T. Yeah. Yes, T, Daddy. Okay, so, so now this is real. I'm talk, talking to my, about my grandkids. Hey, um, um, Esther, Dansby, Isaiah, Emma, listen, before we go to bed tonight, I want us to pray together. I'm so glad that you came to my house. I want us to pray together for uh, a friend of mine. What about your friend? Is he sick? He needs Jesus. So let's just pray that God would, would draw him to himself. So the next time they come over and we pray together, Isaiah says, Hey, T. Daddy, what about that guy we prayed for? Let's pray for them again. Next time they come over, we pray together. Esther says, T. Daddy, what about that guy we've been praying for? I'm glad you asked. The guy we've been praying for gave his heart to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And they all clap. And you know what has happened? I've invited them into the process of God moving in my life. And that is so awesome. So, well, Pastor T, I, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. And by the way, orange is about birth through every generation. But our children's ministry and our student ministry is using orange. And then we're using it in married people, like I've already told you. So, Pastor T, I don't know. I, I, I think I failed. I think I've already messed up. No, you can. There's time. Maybe you've lost a lot of your marbles. But there's still time. There's still time. Here's, here's something I know. Despite our failures... And these people, man, they messed up. They failed God. Despite our failures, God is still God. And God is still good. 
You know, Jesus came from the lineage of David. And I just want to just tell you, I'm not going to read it, but I want to tell you how this story ends. At the very end of, of the psalm, the psalmist says, Now a little shepherd boy, I'm paraphrasing it, Now a little shepherd boy grew up and is leading the nation Israel. And God took a little shepherd boy named David who became King David and through his lineage came Jesus Christ. You see, David was faithful. He was faithful when he taught. He was king, but he still taught it in his kids. He messed up. But God is still God and God is still faithful. This is, this is something I take home. From the lineage of the one who was faithful comes our faithful one. And his name is Jesus. I want you to watch this and then I'll say a word about it and then we'll be done. Watch this right now.